Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Ray, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. It's been about, what, a year since we last talked? Yeah, about about a year, Robbie. Yeah, it's, it's good to speak with you. I wanted to have you back on because I'm going to post this episode on 9-11, um, and I thought it would be interesting to get your thoughts because obviously you've written about 9-11, you've interviewed family members, but um, what, what when 9-11 rolls around when the day is here, what what do you typically think about? Do you do anything special? Uh, well, I, 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 you know, I, I, I remember, I mean, in Canada where I am in Vancouver, I mean, it's, it's different. I mean, if I lived in New York city, I'd maybe go to ground zero or something, but here in Canada, it's like a day to think about it. And when I think about it, I think about, uh, being in Joshua tree, uh, national park in, in Southeastern California on the day that the attacks happened and being at a retreat center and being one of one person along well with I was the only person who was a foreigner from Canada and I was with 60 Americans and there were two people in the in the at the facility in the in the in the room that were uh, that had a financial officer who worked in one of the twin towers now they learned later on that he lived but I remember their uh, their panic and uh, and tears uh, you know, their dread that he might have died. So, so I think about, you know, that's sort of my, my own kind of immediate memory of, of, of how, I mean, I, because I was in that remote location, I wasn't where there was any TV. So I'm one of the people who didn't, who didn't learn about 9-11 by, like, I wasn't even turning on the radio, never mind the TV. I just learned about this because one of the leaders at the retreat setting had a phone call from a friend on their cell phone telling them what was happening. And then they told our whole group what was happening. So it, it was quite, it was actually, cause I actually don't even have a TV at home and haven't since 1991. It was, it was some years before I even saw all the visuals that everybody else was seeing on the day of the attacks. So, so I, uh, you know, so, you know, that's, I, mean, that's, I, I mean, that's an interesting take because there's plenty of like plenty of people I know, like my parents, obviously my generation. I mean, I'm four, I was four years old at the time when it happened, maybe three. So, you know, a lot of kids like my, we just there's a disconnect for us because we weren't there being able to see it broadcast on television. But every time you talk to someone about 9-11, that's of an older generation, they always say, like, I remember watching the TV minute by minute of everything going on. So it's obviously a traumatic experience, but that's got to be so interesting that you didn't see any of the footage and stuff until years later. I mean, what was your impact? of it then did it really start to sink in then oh it did i mean i i mean i i had i woke earlier that morning uh it would have been i mean when i got up uh at the sunrise it would have been probably around you know 6 a.m so 9 a.m eastern so already at that point I didn't know, but the south the, the north tower would have been hit and maybe even the south tower and I remember walking on, on the desert floor, uh, you know, before going to breakfast and seeing a plane flying overhead, you know, probably had left, uh, you know, LAX or some other <laughs> airport uh, in Southern California. And, you know, and <laughs> it, was, it was like a normal day. And, and then for me, I was, I mean, uh, I don't know, all the planes were grounded. It took me five days to, to get back to Canada because I had to take a uh, you know, finally a bus across the the Washington State British Columbia border 
and three hours at the border doing all kinds of security checks to make sure there wasn't any bomb on the bus and you know so i have those kinds of memories and 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 also when i you know when i got back to vancouver then i heard uh, i think it was our foreign affairs minister uh lloyd axworthy or maybe he was a former foreign affairs minister at the time but he went and spoke at the public library the central library in vancouver and he talked about how uh, he was counseling in mid-September, a week after the attacks had happened, that, that, you know, if, as was alleged, that this was Osama bin Laden, an individual, um, that he thought that, that this was, uh, that this required uh, of those who wanted to charge him with these attacks, this required a police and intelligence uh, operation to apprehend him to put him in front of a, a court somewhere uh, and, and to not go to war in Afghanistan. It was already being talked about by President Bush. And, you know, at that at that point, I mean, that that's what made sense to me. I mean, if you know, if, if an individual does something uh, and is responsible for it or alleged to be responsible, accused of it, uh, normally we, we, we you know, we 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 deal with that kind of on an individual basis and not a whole nation um so but anyway that you know things moved so fast and that whole fall uh things moved so fast and, and uh i mean i remember you know hearing about you know anthrax and 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 then there was a war going on in afghanistan and it was like there was just it was just a, a real tumble and and for me as you know like i, I I was, you know, again, I, I wasn't watching, I didn't have a TV, I didn't watch the nightly news, I read the newspaper and listened to the radio and, and was getting up to speed with, with the internet. But, you know, but I mean, I, I got, you know, I ended up having to really get a file folder of all kinds of articles years later. And of course, I wasn't reading the New York Post or the New York Times and, good, and the good. Washington, you know, so I mean, I, you know, like I, I, I mean, and at that time, too, uh, I mean, I guess you could get all those things online, but but I wasn't, you know, it, it, it took me, um, you know, it wasn't until I, I read um, Kristen Breitweiser, whose husband Ron died in the South Tower, she'd written a memoir by 2006 or seven called Wake Up Call, The Political Education of a 9-11 Widow. And when I read her book after kind of, I was, I was needing to get a new book in the middle of a, of a trip at an airport and it was in the airport uh, bookstore and so i you know when i picked up the book i was really interested that i i had gone six years in vancouver without having heard through my the media that i followed uh, the vancouver sun and so on hadn't hadn't cued me to the fact that it had it not been for the families who lost loved ones there would never really have been an investigation so uh so that 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 led me to to starting to keep create an archive of, of articles based initially on the family steering committees for the 9-11 independent commission's website and looking at all the articles that they pointed to including then they pointed also to uh, uh paul thompson's book the 9-11 timeline which which then had over five to seven thousand articles um well, Many, being, which, yeah, yeah. being involved with the 9-11 community and coming across people that, I mean, you probably met some people that had either had family that were involved in that or you talked to a lot of the family members. 
which ones, I guess, have a dissenting view from the official story compared to the ones that go with the flow? Because, I mean, if I look up 9-11 books, I'll come across a couple documentaries. I think I just watched Turning Point on Netflix, and everything kind of seems like there's a hint of like skepticism, but most of it falls on the official line, which makes it kind of difficult because if you look at like even the White House, I think in 2021 made a statement about that they didn't have to disclose certain documents or certain government information. I'm just like – if it's so clear cut, so simple, and I'm involved in like the JFK stuff, and I look for those documents, and I'm a part of that team that's suing Biden for those documents, I'm like, why keep it secret if it's causing more pain with the secrets? And that's when I start seeing family accounts of people that are saying they just want answers, and then people trying to disable those claims. So I'm curious, like when you get involved in the 9-11 community, as much as you have till today, how many people have dissenting views and how many don't? Um, so, so, I mean, so in my, in my research, I mean, I've, I've spoken to maybe, you know, n- you know, n- you know, nine or 10 family members myself. Um, I mean, a lot of family members, you must understand, who have gone through this horrific experience and losing a loved one. And, uh, now maybe if I was a reporter with, from <laughs> from the Boston Globe or something or CNN, maybe, maybe they'd say, okay, sure. I want to talk to you, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm just a guy who, who happened to write a book or was writing a book at the time. And, and people, um, people's instinct is to, is to keep their own story and their views uh, quite private, unless they happen to want to speak to a, a paper in New Jersey or Connecticut or something. So, so what I did mostly was read, um, you know, read the press releases of family members, um, uh, watch, uh, you know, some interviews on local radio or TV stations, and, you know, mostly in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and I watched the testimony of the family members to the, before the 9-11 commission, and then other forums where they, where they spoke. Uh, So a lot of what I've been able to glean is mostly from seeing, you know, watching what they've said to the press or reading what they've, you know, um, letters to the editor of the New York Times and things like that. Um, yeah, so so breaking down. So I would I would say that about, you know, my my sense is that about half of the family members probably have come to terms with accepting the official account, not necessarily, you know, I mean, some bullishly accepting it from the get-go. People well, you know, like Deborah Burlingame, whose who's, who's brother uh, is, you know, airline pilot of Flight, Flight 77, you know, didn't even see the point of even having an investigation. She was just quite fine with just going over to the Middle East and kicking ass. You know, so so there there are some family members who who didn't even see well what's what's the point of having an investigation? We already know what happened, and you know let's let's go to war in Iraq and Afghanistan and so on. Uh, stepping away from that perspective, um, you've got um, people like Carrie Lemack, whose mother Judy died uh, in one of the planes going in one of the towers, and she um, you know she was kind of connected to people who were who were speaking to the press uh, in America saying uh, warning that bin Laden was planning to murder four million Americans uh, 
um, <clears throat> and um, and she was involved in in um, uh, in in producing a document a short documentary which in 2010 got an Academy Award nomination for a documentary short called Killing in the Name about Islamic terrorism. Um, so I mean she would be one of the people who who is is certain I mean she also um, ended up being a fellow um, a fellow of I guess uh, kind of a She's in, she was with the Council of Foreign Relations, and so uh, you know, and they're you know they're very tight with uh, with many White House administrations in terms yeah. of advising foreign policy. Anyway, that I means so that's an interesting direction for 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 her to for her to, and per, perhaps the Council of Foreign Relations might have wanted a family member who lost a loved one in nine eleven who's really solidly behind the official account to to be associated with the CFR. Uh, so, and then you've got people like, I mean, Mary Fetchett, um, she is with the Voices of September 11th. Um, I think they've changed their name in Connecticut, but, but in any, any event, that's the name I remember. And she um, would, is in, was involved with the, the, the 9-11 Museum. There's many families that are involved in the 9-11 Museum and Memorial. So Mary Fetchett would be somebody who I would say is, I mean, all of them signs, I mean, all of, I mean, as I mentioned, some of these people, I mean, Carrie Lemack, Mary Fetchett, were all signatories to 50 of the, of the press releases uh, that the Family Steering Committee um, released during the life of the 9-11 Commission, many of them very critical of the Commission. But still, um, you know, uh, I think I, I would say Mary Fetchett would be, um, Somebody who probably, I think that her view would be pragmatic, that she's, I think she's come to terms with the official account, more or less out of a kind of a pragmatic, well, this has happened. And now that now the government has released this report. So despite the mis misgivings about how the, the commission seemed to be, um, well, why do a closed door testimony? And then where's what about Bush? Like, why, why do you have the president and vice president testifying together in the same room? I mean, I, like, I don't think it's necessarily I mean, it is a conspiracy when you really talk about that. There was obviously more than what they're saying and going on. There's a bunch of questions that I think should be answered. Like, why would you try and sell the scrap metal less than a week later when the families are sitting there saying, stop, you have to investigate this. And next thing you know, they're trying to get rid of it as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like people like Mary Fetchett, like her, um, her biggest uh, criticism of the, of the government was in response to the evacuation protocols in the towers, uh, which, uh, which, I mean, everybody who goes to uh, elementary school knows early on that when you have a fire drill, you go out into the, the schoolyard or the parking lot because it's not the case that if you're if you're grade uh, if you're in the grade two classroom and down the hall the grade four classrooms on fire you're just going to hang out in the school and wait until the fire uh, fires come so so uh, so she is you know she'd heard from her her son Brad or a message from him and he you know they they were told to stay at their desks and uh, you know and other people who were going down whose impulse was to. Uh, you know, there's a fire in the North Tower. We're going to go down this, you know, the stairwells, 
And then they'd be met with people with bullhorns saying, this is America, you're safe, go back, go back, or you'll be fired from your job. So, uh, you know, the people like Brad Fetchett, who, who, who obeyed the commands uh, and uh, directives of the people in, in the Port Authority off officials are the ones who died. The people who, uh, who, who disobeyed are the ones that got out and who lived. So for people like Mary Fetchett, it's just um, the whole um, the whole collapse of of, of time tested protocols uh, is is really problematic. And uh, I mean another thing about 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 with with the towers, uh, um, you know, the CIA director George Tenet is uh, in the St. Regis Hotel having breakfast that morning uh, at at ten to nine, four minutes after the the uh, the North Tower is struck. He's on the phone uh, with uh, he with headquarters in Langley, uh, CIA headquarters, and and he's offering the opinion that this is this is what they've been kind of waiting for. The you know that Bin Bin Laden has done this. You know and he's 110 percent sure that this is an attack by Bin Laden, and and the family's questions to the CIA director would have been if if the, the 9/11 Commission had asked it would be if you're so at, at at 9.50 a.m., four minutes after the first tower is struck, if you're 100% certain that this is a terrorist attack, why did you not assign somebody at the CIA headquarters to phone the Port Authority in New York City at the World Trade Center and tell them to evacuate the, the building immediately and not just treat this like, oh, some goofy pilot made a mistake and ran into the, into the building? Uh, so, uh, you know, so... There's all kinds of questions about about that complete collapse in judgment. I mean, why wouldn't you, if this is what you think, why wouldn't you warn the Port Authority and get them to sort of switch up their thinking and, and understand the gravity of what's happening? But no, the CIA director didn't didn't occur to him apparently to think that. So, do you think that there was more of a political motivation, obviously, in the direction that they were going with the results after the planes hit the towers of every movement that they made, every decision that they made, rather than on the basis of saving people's lives? Okay, this is this this sort of gets into into the. Uh, it's a big question, yeah, but I yeah, read it's Dick a big Cheney's well, book, and Dick Cheney's book, he gave a shoot down order to shoot down one of the suspected planes that could possibly be hijacked. And I was like, okay, at that point, I don't think you're doing anything for human life. I think you're doing things more for political or saving your own ass. Yeah, I mean, there's really curious decisions. Like, I mean, Paul O'Neill is the Treasury Secretary for the Bush administration. He had a memoir in 2004 called The Price of Loyalty. And in it, he describes the first cabinet meeting of the new Bush administration in January of 2001. And, you know, I mean, after the prayer or whatever is said to start the meeting pretty well around the table, welcome. The next thing is, you know, the president wants the cabinet to know that he wants uh, people to find him a way to, to, to get back into Iraq and have a war with Iraq and finish what his dad started because George H.W. Bush didn't march into Baghdad. Well, you know, so, so if you have a president that's signaling to all their cabinet, minister, cabinet members that they really would like to, to have a war with Iraq for, for whatever reason, Saddam's a bad man. I mean, apparently Donald Rumsfeld was out there with, you know, regime change and all, all, all the kind of talking points that we heard about. We just call it weapons of mass destruction. That's weapons of mass destruction. All, all those things were being said, you know, er, early on at that cabinet meeting. So, so 
you know, if I'm a member of the cabinet and President Bush has just told me and my colleagues that he really liked to find a way for America to go to war, well, what would I what would I do to help facilitate that? I mean, if I was if I if I became aware, like according to the official story, if I became aware that there were um, people who who were who were sketchy, who maybe want to uh, want to come to America, maybe to do bad things, I would see what could be done to aid their 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 transport to this to America. So so then you have the uh, you know the family's questions about the 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 hijackers, say from. 15 hijackers coming from Saudi Arabia, and you have uh, all of the normal processes for uh, visas um, are completely, um, well, it just the protocols just collapse because you have all of the, I mean, all, well, all 19 hijackers filled out incomplete uh, forms. I mean, they, they're, you know, they're, you know, what year were you born? Um, 1878. Uh, um, you know, where will you be staying? No, is the, is the answer. Yeah, Michael Springman mentioned that. He said he denied some applications and the CIA pushed it through. There was there wasn't an explanation as to why. I mean, it, I've mentioned this before and people said that it's a conspiracy, but I'm pretty sure that it's at least known now that they were monitoring a lot of these hijackers and had surveillance on them like a little bit before they, you know, hijacked these airplanes. Yeah. So, so you've, I mean, you've got, you've got, um, You've got the uh, people in in um, I forget the biryani. I mean, you've got the, the Saudi uh, guy who's uh, who who just happens to meet two of the uh, the hijackers, alleged hijackers in San Diego, you know, or in La, L, whatever, whichever airport, L.A. or San Diego, and just happens to kind of instantly befriend them, and then is 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 really tight with them, you know. And there's the CI, there's a FBI. Uh, um and you know informant that's also there with them and, and and there's all kinds of people that just are purportedly officially not connecting the dots i mean even even though you have uh you know in in june of, of 2001 you've got uh, people like richard clark the counterterrorism czar uh, getting you know all the people together around the table and and you know saying you know something really big is going to happen and we need to all be you know uh, communicating with each other, and, and yet you've got all, all these. At the very time that there are people, I forget what the uh, director, tenant of the CIA was saying, his hair was on fire. But but you know all of these statements about something really big is going to happen. We need to talk to each other, and then all this other counter story about how nobody could seem to figure out how to how to let each other know what they knew. Uh, and um, and then there's, you know, uh, was it Colleen Rowley or Rowley, who's the Minnesota FBI agent who's trying to let people know about Zacharias Musawi, the, the 20th hijacker uh, and and the FBI headquarters uh, kind of reprimanding her for trying to to bother them about this information. And, and so it's, it's just all kinds of strange uh, decision making. And, and I mean, you know, maybe there maybe there are people who. I mean, you know, like thinking about about what uh, Secretary uh, Treasury Secretary Paul O'Neill is saying. I mean, if if there if there's this uh, sort of marching orders uh, from January 2001 to find a way uh, to to get America into Iraq, I guess one way of of having that happen would be if there's any indication that anyone wants to do anything nefarious, 
you just somehow look the other way or 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 do your little bit to push it forward you know let the visas get get the okay notwithstanding the the sloppy incompleteness of them and so on um yeah so i mean are you surprised that the politicians that do make a statement that's not really with the official narrative? And I hate to use the example of Trump. I'm not a Trump or anything, but he made an ex he said something in an interview where he said, we never nobody knows what happened at 9-11. We never got to the bottom of that. Whether people want to say, oh, he's just feeling conspiracies or not. But I think if you look at the documentation, there's been a lot of politicians that have made a statement about the whole 9-11 thing, especially when the families openly spoke to the press about it and were refusing to have Biden come down to ground zero. Yeah, I mean, you have you have politicians like uh, former Senator Paul Wellstone in in Minnesota who who was saying he wanted you know he he you know he wanted there he wanted uh, an invest well he was pressing for an investigation into nine eleven you know like when 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 he when he uh, I mean he apparently you know he 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 told other people that that uh, when he met with Dick Cheney in October of two thousand and two. At this point, still, the 9-11 Commission has not been given the green light. And, and he's pressing for, you know, an investigation. And Cheney, you know, doesn't like um, Wellstone's uh, reluctance to go to war in, in, in Iraq, doesn't like Wellstone's um, uh, objections to the Patriot Act, doesn't like Wellstone pressing for the 9-11 Commission. And, and Cheney's says, according to Wellstone, who told other people that were close to him uh, in his campaign, he, uh, he said that Cheney said, if you don't back off, uh, there, there'll be severe, severe consequences for you and the people of Minnesota. And then, unfortunately, um, Paul Wellstone died in a small airplane crash the week before, you know, he was supposed to win his, uh, you know, he was, you know, seven points ahead of his Republican challenger. Um, so, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's just sort of, you know, I mean, planes do fall down. I mean, Patsy Cline died and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he, but he, I mean, come on. We, the, the, yeah. There was a, a reporter that was flying to the Congo and the UN looked in it in the 20, 2013, Dag Hammarskjöld, and they suspected that Alan Dulles, because of Patrice Lumumba's political assassination, that the director of the CIA was involved in that one. I mean, Hale Boggs, too. Bill Clinton drove that guy to the airport at 23 years old, a young Bill Clinton, and his plane goes missing over Alaska and nobody finds it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so. There, I mean, there are people who've who've spoken. Um, politicians like, um, oh, the uh, Dennis Kucinich, uh, the who was the mayor and then member of Con Democratic member of Congress uh, from from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, he also, you know, was speaking about needing a new investigation into the, after the nine eleven commission came. So, there's numbers of people who've. You know, I mean, even even um, Bob Graham, who was the co-chair of the Joint Senate and Congressional investigation into 9/11, which sort of preceded the 9/11 Commission, he said that uh, that he thought that that the uh, the whole um, uh, the whole uh, conduct of the government regarding uh, regarding it is not just a cover-up, but I think he said something like active deception. So. You know, someone someone like that who's been a co-chair of, of a of a of a congressional Senate committee looking into 9/11 thinks that the government is involved in active deception. Citizens have to ask, well, 
what does he mean by that? And what can we see that seems to point to that? Why the hesitancy in the second investigate or the first investigation into it? Why the hesitancy? Hesitancy to have the, a 9-11 commission. Commission, yeah. Um, well, the, I mean, the, the president, uh, well, I think that, I think that, I think that Cheney, that Vice President Cheney said that, that, you know, if we have an investigation, it's only going to give comfort to the terrorists, which, you know, which I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how, how, how that would be. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, um, he all, he also explained to, uh, uh, Senate leader Tom Daschle from South Dakota, the Democrat, he said that um, that the government was busy fighting the war on terror, busy in Afghanistan, and couldn't afford the money for an investigation. I mean, you know, this this I mean, th these kinds of of statements. I mean, like it's it's like I think that for me, it's been kind of like a drip, 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 because. Uh, and I think it is for the families too, because the impulse, I mean, for the families and the families on the family steering committee for the 9-11 Independent Commission, those 12 people, the majority of them, I understand, voted for President Bush. You know, they may not all have been registered Republicans, but, but the majority did. And, and so in the face of a devastating loss, you want to believe that your government is on side, that they want to do the right thing. But surely they want to get to the bottom of what happened. How come uh, America's defense has completely, def completely failed? How everybody in every key position seemed to be running them in, in the wrong direction, you know, coincidentally. Um, but instead, the, the government saying, no, we don't have the money or, you know, it's, uh, uh, I mean, even Lee Hamilton, who's the co-chair of the 9-11 Commission, uh, when family members met with him uh, in the spring of, of 2003, he didn't want to have, or earlier than that, he didn't want to have any public hearings at all. He didn't want to subpoena anyone, uh, didn't want to have any swearing on, under oath. What? So, yeah. So, 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 I mean, you know, you got families going in expecting <laughs> that they're just going to have a conversation about how, you know, wouldn't it be great to have public hearings? We need public hearings. We need, to, you know, we, we, we need to subpoena uh, because, you know, you need, and because also if you subpoena people who are, who are witnesses, um, that way it gives them protection because if a witness from the CIA, the FBA, FBI, the FAA, or, or N, N, NSA or whatever knows something that may be embarrassing to the government or may take them in a different direction than they thought they were going to go, a subpoena can give that witness cover and protection. But if they don't have that subpoena protection, then there can be retribution. There can be a demotion. They can be fired because here they just volunteered to, to show up at the 9-11 commission and you know their superior didn't give them permission and so on. So, um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, the, the whole... Um, the whole lack of wanting to have the commission. I mean, Lee Hamilton, I found out he was involved with the, the, the earlier commission that looked at the, the October surprise about whether or not uh, the uh, George W. George H. W. Bush Reagan uh, 
campaign was trying to uh, to fiddle with uh, with international politics to to prevent uh, Jimmy Carter's administration from rescuing the uh, the hostages in Iran. Um, you know, you know, you know that that's uh, that. So that so Lee Hamilton was you know involved in in uh, in co-chairing that and saying nothing to see here. He's also the same guy who was co-chairing the Iran Contra investigation, and he said, you know, I, I look I looked uh, you know Oliver North in the eye, and he told me that he didn't lie, you know, and and I believe you know. <laughs> I believe. I mean, Lee Hamilton also the Hamilton the Hamilton and his wife uh, are longtime vacationers with uh, Donald Rumsfeld and his spouse and Dick Cheney and Lynch. So, like, you Got know, damn I Rat mean, Pack over here. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, you know, maybe maybe Lee Hamilton can look beyond his close longtime close friendships with with these key people in the Bush administration, but. Some people would say maybe not, and and so. I mean, well, why would you have your friend investigate your friend? It doesn't this doesn't make sense to me. But I'd have to ask about what do you what's your thoughts on the media? I mean, has your view changed from I guess before you started kind of this deep dive down and understanding more about nine eleven to compared to where it's at now? I mean, my thoughts on the media have completely probably changed from the last time we talked over a year ago. Well, from what I can tell, I mean. The media initially, I mean, they were all on the same page. I mean, whether it was weapons of mass destruction, the mushroom cloud, the anthrax, I mean, I mean, every everything, you know, the the story, the official story was was there. And then then the families, I mean, and I mean, initially the like the Jersey girls, uh, Kristen Breitweiser, Patty Casazzo, Lori Van Auken, and 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 Mindy Kleinberg were speaking to the press on uh, you know see a hardball with Chris Matthews and to Gail Sheehy on PBS and so on. And they were getting their questions out and the, you know, the need for an investigation. And then they were also speaking to the press, uh, all the 9-11 family members who were monitoring the 9-11 commission. And they, I mean, their questions, like, like the, they, you'd, you'd have moments where the, the, the 9-11 commissioners are you know receiving the the you know over a thousand questions from the families to ask different cabinet members and 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 agencies uh, important questions about what happened, where they were, and and the commissioners are saying to the press, these are really good questions, family members. Thank you very much. We're going to get to the bottom of this. And then and then when the when the commission is is rolling, they ignore most of the questions. Uh, but but there like there were there were I mean reading the articles in the Los Angeles Times and other places there clearly was an openness to what the families were asking and seeing that the questions like how how can you have you know so many protocols broken you know Mindy Kleinberg's testimony to the 9/11 Commission on the 31st of March 2003 and she she pointed out all these different things regarding errant stock trades that are not being monitored that are always monitored otherwise and and the visas and and all of the protocols supposed to happen regarding the you know what NORAD's supposed to be doing uh 24/7 with any plane that, that flies off course so um so there was sympathy sympathy and interest and openness on the part of the press well, the 9-11 commission was going on the part of some parts of the press anyway. And then once the commission gave the report in 
in in um, in July of 2004, then most of the of the media, certainly the mainstream media, just circled the wagon and said, "This is the definitive report. It's fabulous. It's great reading. It reads like a a novel or something." And it's, and and you know, it's it's like you know, and and. And you have these outliers like Harper's Magazine with with Benjamin Demott saying this is a, the, the whole commission the report is a cheat and a fraud and it doesn't doesn't give you know it 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 gives people like like uh, breadcrumbs in in the forest with with uh, Little Red Riding Hood or whoever it just it just doesn't it it people don't see the forest for the trees and uh, and so on and 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 so. Uh, but I would say that since the 9-11 Commission report came out in 2004, the media, for the most part, has chosen to simply say, well, they published a report and it's great and shut up if you don't agree with the report. It's pretty much. Or you're a conspiracy theorist if you don't. But if, if you read that commission report, they say things like, in hindsight, we can't judge what we didn't know. But now that we're looking from you know future eyes back into the past where they're doing stuff like that. But then if you look at what they do point out as like some problems in TSA, which is cool, you pointed out that. But what about the simulation that they were running the day of about planes going into buildings and they didn't even bother talking about that project they had going on and also a stage thing with anthrax i think they canceled i don't know if you ever heard about that before yeah, yeah i mean there's 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 uh there are people who who spoke to the press who were who were officers involved in um in in exercises that involved even i think even the world trade center but but uh, you know uh, or, or the plane that went into the Pentagon and they give you one camera angle from a shitty parking garage where I'm like, aren't there cameras all around the Pentagon that we should know about? Yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, so suddenly, you know, I mean, all kinds of decisions like uh, like you've got General Ralph Eberhardt, who's, you know, with NORAD out in um, out in uh, Wyoming, is it? Um, and and he's um, and he's uh, he's like he's kind of the guy who's like one of the key people in charge and he's you know you know he knows that the, the north tower and the south tower have been hit and then and you know he knows that there's a plane heading toward the pentagon and about 25 after nine that morning he decides he announces to people around him that things in his view have quieted down and and then decides to go off on a 45 minutes drive slowly through through a park area and, and sort of shows up you know, uh, about, you know, you know, quarter after 10 to some other military uh, facility. And, and again, like, how, how, I mean, I, I can't imagine that a single American watching, watching the TV screen that morning would have thought that things were quieting down, you know, let's, let's go make some lemonade, you know, or this is boring. I mean, so, Again, it's it's just inexplicable, and for the family members that that will read read that kind of you know testimony, uh, it just uh, it just doesn't make it doesn't again it doesn't make sense. Uh, and and I mean there I mean in Kristen Breitweiser's book Wake Up Call, she talks about you know dereliction of duty, and I mean at what point does your bad judgment become something else than just bad judgment? I mean like maybe maybe you need to be fired. <laughs> And it just seems that there's quite a number of people that, that I mean, I'll, I'll talk about Richard Clark. Now, I saw Richard Clark testify. I mean, I saw Condoleezza Rice testify. And I saw Richard Clark testify before the 9-11 Commission. I saw it on a, 
TV at friend's place. And, and Richard Clark is the first person who says uh, to the commission and to the families, mostly who are in the, in the hearing room, you know, your government failed you and I failed you. And then the families have a, have a press uh, conference and, and they thank Richard Clark. I mean, here's one person in the, in the Bush White House who has apologized for, you know, that clearly they screwed up, they, 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 did, they failed to, to, to keep the nation safe. But, you know, as the years rolled by, um, I find out that Richard Clark, to, I mean, it's, it's almost an understatement that he failed. Uh, he, he was developing a close friendship with certain members of the royal family in the United Arab Emirates in the mid-1990s. One of them, uh, who's um, Sheikh, blah, 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 Al Maktoum, was the defense uh, secretary for the United Arab Emirates. He was one of a number of, of UAE royals who were known to, to frequently uh, go bird hunting with Osama bin Laden in uh, Afghanistan. And in uh, February of 1999, um, the CIA uh, knew that, that uh, a number of these royal family members from the UAE were going bird hunting with bin Laden, and they uh, believed that their agents in the field were certain that they would be able to apprehend bin Laden and uh, bring him to justice to answer charges of bombing United States embassies in Kenya and Tanzania. Richard Clark vetoed that um, uh, decision. All, uh, and he was in a form where that would be possible and to not pass it on to President Clinton to sign off on. Now, of course, the CIA doesn't always need to have the president sign off on things. And so the following month that happened but yet again, bin Laden was on another bird hunting trip with a number of these United Arab Emirates royals. And Richard Clark learns about the CIA having a, making a second try to go and apprehend bin Laden in March of 1999. And Richard Clark tips off the, um, uh, the, roy the royals that he knows in the United Arab Emirates who pass word on to bin Laden so bin Laden can evade capture, which he does. He evades capture. So for the family members, how is it that you have somebody who stays in the position of being the counterterrorism secretary or counterterrorism czar who's responsible chiefly for combating terrorism and keeping the nation safe, who is passing on word through other foreign nationals um, to give uh, that terrorist kind of public enemy number one at that point uh, before the 9-11 attacks, uh, the slip. It, it, just, it just doesn't add up. How, how, how is that behavior that is, that is conducive or, con or aligns with anything in his job description? His job description is not to get people who are on the most wanted list to, 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 to stay uh, away from, from being apprehended. I'm surprised that a number of reporters or news media didn't highlight that, that for, even if it was a certain political side, if it was CNN or Fox. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of these things where you kind of have to dig into the weeds and like the, like you, you dig into the, the joint, uh, um, inquiry by the by the congress and senate and you have to sort of dig into the into the 
into the uh, you know the transcripts, and there was a, a, a member of Congress who was on that committee who who asked some questions of, of Richard Clark about this. But but you don't you don't end up having you know much. It's like it's like I don't know whether the press doesn't know to to, to look into these things, but but you know it's like you know so so it's one of these things that just ends up sort of. If you don't, if you don't look under the rock, if you don't say, "I wonder what," I wonder what's in that, uh, in that, in that report. You know, even if it's redacted in different places regarding the twenty-eight pages with the Saudis and so on. But if you don't look look into reports, you don't read them as a as a member of the press. You certainly are are not going to find, you know, anything that will be upsetting to the American people. So uh, called hear no evil, see no evil. Yeah, yeah. So it it seems that uh, now I want to say too that that it seems that uh, you know it was Rebecca Abrams uh, uh, with with ABC you know talked about uh, in in the in the uh, in the documentary nine eleven press for truth that came out in two thousand and six, which was looking at the family's efforts and what the nine eleven commission was, and she talked about how. You can have really good reporters and they can go and do a deep dive into something and they can interview key people and uh, and they can have the story ready to go to air on a TV station or to run it in, in, a, in a paper. But but then you may have somebody higher up uh, in the editorial or even somebody who's higher up from them in the organization of that media corporation who says, no. Nope, we're not going to run this because uh, the people that we rely on to get our advertising revenue aren't going to be happy with us. And so we're not going to run that story. And she, she talked about seeing that kind of kind of behavior that happens inside media corporations. So uh, so it's not simply I mean, yes, I think on the one hand, you have some people who are in the media who are kind of hear no evil, see no evil or or they just. They have a, an optimistic view and they think, you know, you know, sometimes bad things happen, but, you know, maybe the maybe the uh, savings and loan scandal, you know, can kind of get that back in the 80s. But surely nothing, you know, surely everybody was on the up and up regarding 9-11. Uh, but and that might be just their own kind of personal psychological makeup that doesn't make doesn't make them look or ask certain questions because they just can't can't. Uh, they they can't face what the question might mean if they get a certain answer. But then there's other reporters that do do the homework, and then they get uh, vetoed by their editors or someone else in the in the corporation, and that story just doesn't run. Yeah, there's no protection for whistleblowers or just truth seekers in general when it comes to independent, real independent investigative journalism. I've had many people on from like Fox and CNN and learning that inner politics behind some of those stations where it's like, oh, this might mess up business interests with this person or something like that. You're just like, but doesn't the truth kind of matter? But you got I mean, I, my heart goes out to those reporters, too, that are trying to really write a good story and kind of you know, do put in some work because, but also you have a family you have to feed sometimes too. So why would I expect you to put your career on the line for the truth? If you have a family you have to sustain bills to pay. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, there's like, you know, where we are now, I mean, they're like in, in the United Kingdom, uh, there was a man named Jeff Campbell who died in the North tower and he was kind of blown to bits and, uh, and the family, has uh, based on lots of reports about 
how the towers came down and lot, you know, over a hundred first responders testified to the fire department of New, of New York that, that they witnessed, you know, secondary devices, bombs, whatever going off or heard them. So, so the, the Campbell family saying, you know, like, we have reason to believe that this just wasn't something that pancaked down, that maybe something else happened. So we want to have a new inquest into, into our family member, Jeff Campbell's death. And the, the justice in uh, London, England said, no, you can't have another inquest. And, and so, you know, and then here, you know, in America, you've got people like Kristen Breitweiser and, and Brett Eagleson, whose son died, and many other family members that want to have a lawsuit in a day in court with certain Saudi Arabian officials uh, alleging their complicity in the attacks September 11th. And you have successive administrations that have been stonewalling or obstructing the family's uh, efforts to have a day in court. And, and all of this, uh, you know, protesting on the part of different attorney generals saying, well, you know, if, if we, if the Saudis uh, were in court then it, you know, we could risk, uh, you know, state secrets, and it would harm the, you know, the... the well, that's what they say about national security and yeah. these documents that they're refusing to declassify. But I feel like this is way too big of a thing that I feel like your national security, your state secrets don't matter at this point. And I want to think that people deserve truth. Yeah. Well, I, I want to comment that that this kind of playbook about national security and state secrets goes back a long way back in france in the 1890s into the early 1900s uh uh be like between you know 1896 or, or five and into 1906 when the dreyfus affair this guy alfred dreyfus who was a captain in the french army he was jewish and uh and there was uh a gun that uh that had been uh the secrets of of, of a gun and the French army had been given to the Prussians. And the, the, the general chiefs of staff quickly decided that the person responsible must be this captain, Alfred Dreyfus, because he was Jewish. And, um, and in the trial, there's a, there's a trial and there's a guy called Emile Zola who was a famous uh, novelist who defended, who took up the cause. And, and every time a different person that the defense wanted to bring before uh, the court, uh, to defend uh, Captain Dreyfus, uh, the, uh, the 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 the, um, the um, prosecution, I guess, uh, for the for the army would would say, no, we can't have that general or that general or that general come forward because of national security, and so <laughs> so it's like it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a default position that that people have been using. Uh, in many nations across the West for over 120 years. Do you think that a part of the reason why they're keeping some of these documents still classified is because some of the people that could be put on trial for maybe definitely, I won't say crimes against humanity, but war crimes for sure, um, are still alive today? I mean, I don't like the national security thing. It's a, it's a wide brush. Um, I've talking with the J JFK assassination. I've talking to federal judges who understand what, could be classified it's only if someone's still alive and if there's an operation that they're still using today that they used back then those are the only two it's like you can chalk state secrets up as one of those two but it makes me wonder i'm like if you have all these documents still 
you know, classified. Is there someone, obviously there's people alive, but what operation would you be running that you guys ran back then that doesn't, it's just, there's so much questions I have. Well, if you have a, an actual court case going on and you have Saudi, different Saudi Arabian citizens who are defendants against the families, those defendants may want to call different witnesses to, to, to you know, help acquit them uh, or, you know, whatever the circumstances are. Maybe those, uh, some of those Saudi Arabian uh, defendants would even want to call certain American officials to help defend them, you know, and, and you know, so, so they're, you know, they're, and this is, this is all, you know, good, get Bush on go? the stand, get where, Bush, you on know, the stand. get, get Bush on the stand, get Dick Cheney on the stand, get, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether it would be that, that high up or, or what, but, but are there, you know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, I, it's, it's simply a matter of like, when you have a trial, it becomes unwieldy because you can have surprise witnesses. You can have whistleblowers. Certain things can be revealed and suddenly the trial goes in a whole new direction. And I think that um, if, there, if there are embarrassing things that the government knows that it wouldn't want the American people to know about, or if there are things where certain people uh, could be properly accused of dereliction of duty, or if people knew things that they said they didn't know that shows that they could have maybe prevented the attacks or, I mean, I, you know, there's a variety of different ways in which this could go. But if any of that, some or all of that uh, was revealed, then you, then you end up having uh, the American people who require, you know, count on their government to keep them safe, having people with different considerations saying, well, if I don't make this phone call, if I, I don't get back to Colleen Rowley in, in, in Minnesota regarding Zacharias Musawi or whatever, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe, uh, maybe I won't foil this, this emerging plot. I mean, you know, I mean, you've got what 14 nations that apparently were warning, uh, you know, sp you know, sp you know, quite specifically regarding, regarding even the twin towers and so on. And, and, and why, and you've got, uh, uh, some of these training exercises, I forget which, which one, Fertile Rice and a couple others, where you have the, the training manual regarding the, the, the operation has Bin Laden on the front cover with, uh, with planes in the air and the Twin Towers. I mean, does that mean that there were people in the Pentagon that, ex or that expected Bin Laden to attack the, the Twin Towers with planes? I mean, I mean, the families say, well, how come you have this graphic on the front of your manual? I mean, what does that mean? Did somebody, somebody in, in the lower level in the Pentagon have some sort of an idea or, or wonderment or why would they wonder that? And, you know, it's so it just, you know, I think, I think that a, a, an actual trial could be a real wild card and it could, it could be, it could be damaging to the government or, or it could exonerate the government. I mean, I, you know, go that way too. Who knows? Well, if it, if it would exonerate them, I feel like they would have already done that already and then got this out of the way of all this. But every year, more articles come out, more stories come out, films come out, reporting comes out every year for the anniversary of it. And it seems like there's more skepticism every single year. 
of that there's obviously a little bit more going on than what was told in the beginning. And I don't think having a real trial and the family getting answers to questions that they specifically asked for, if every family member gets one, they get answers to this. I don't think that's a big ask at all. The amount of pain that they've been through. And I mean, the amount of people out there that are literally trying to go after people that have a different view and trying to bunk them. I see all those people get History Channel um, interviews and things of that sort, which just doesn't make sense to me because obviously if you really start explaining, I've had M Mick West on here. I've had Michael Shermer on here. You can bring up some questions to them that they just don't have answers for. And it's like, not every single thing is a coincidence Not every single thing is like, oh, it just happened or something like that. There's gotta be something a little bit more. I mean, to have enough of the population to have a dissenting view about the official story is enough to at least, you know, get, get dull out at least one or two answers. Yeah, I mean, how how many coincidences does one need before you think that there's something else going on? I mean, I was on a on a radio show out of I think Kansas earlier this month, and you know there was somebody else who was like there was the show host, and then somebody else who was a a guest as well who was who was wanting to describe any family member who would be questioning the official narrative as just somebody who was who was kind of being strung along by a bunch of lawyers that want to make some money. And I said, no, <laughs> you know, these, these family members have some good questions and, uh, and they're, you know, maybe you have to have some lawyers to get you to a court of law, but, but uh, they can stand on their own. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very interesting to me how, how people will try and pick apart uh, uh, the integrity of the families by, by throw by lobbying, objections like that did it change your view on the world all these years and especially like putting your book together and everything did it change your world view on things of just how things really run i mean my whole like i said my year since the last time we talked has been completely just down this rabbit hole the 60s and 70s learning so much about the government honestly my whole worldview on politics has changed i've become more of a misanthrope on things i'm curious what your perspective is like well i it's a tough question. I, my, I, th I think my, my, my sense of this, and, and I mean, partly I had to write, I mean, I would have thought, I mean, of course there's, you know, Kristen Brightwater's book and there's a couple other, other books, but there's not a lot of books that are covering the kind of material I'm covering, uh, you know, aside from books saying, isn't the 9-11 commission great, uh, <laughs> which is different. So I, I think that, I think that I've I've discovered that there is a great reluctance on the part of many people in in both American and Canadian society, and I'd say this across across Western democracies, to to scrutinize claims that governments and the media make. There's, there's a great reluctance to uh, to wonder if something might not be the case, and I mean. On its face, that can help people, you know, be maybe go to bed peacefully, saying, "Well, at least it was just, you know, Bin Laden and 19 hijackers and just bad luck, and that's it, and blindsided, and so on." But, but I think that that there there needs to be an impulse on on a, on a a healthy democracy. The citizenry need to be uh, exercising uh, an ability to question. Uh, so that we have like media literacy skills, 
Uh, our, our job as citizens is not to simply, after a hard day's work, relax in front of the nightly news and just receive it as if Moses has just come down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, and now we just repeat it like a catechism. What we're supposed to do is watch the news, clarify what, what the main talking points are and what the, out, what the outcome is or the message is, and then we need to sit, sit with those messages, especially if they're, if they're, if they're banged away for, for many weeks and months or years. We need to sit back and say, so what else is there to know about? Is this the only thing to know? Is this, is this, um, is this great howling one story, the only thing I need to know? Or is, are there other people asking questions? Now, of course, when there are other people asking questions, you know, I mean, you know, did, did aliens attack America on September 11th? I think we can say no. You know, so I mean, there, I mean, there are there are questions that that aren't going to make a lot of sense, and you can't really go go very far with them because it just doesn't seem to be fruitful. But I think that uh, that when family members ask questions about uh, Richard Clark or or the lack of initiative on the part of CIA Director George Tennant, or or why did uh, Ralph Eberhardt go for that long drive and think that things had quieted down? I mean, all of those kinds of behaviors um, seem to point to um, uh, to to lack well lack of uh, lack of competency to even sit in those positions. Uh, I mean, what what is happening? I mean, it, a lot. There are a lot of people who <clears throat> who who accept the. Uh, the story of the explanation of, of well, the government is so incompetent. Of course, this could happen, and and uh, and I think that what needs to happen then, if the government really is so incompetent, everybody moves in the wrong direction when something like a crisis like this happens. Then there needs to be a whole different different uh, level of training of people and the hiring of people in government needs to change entirely because you can't have people who are engaging in wishful thinking and uh, willful blindness and ignorance uh, that, that never think that something could, could be happening here or there. You, you, have, to, you have to consider you know, the, the articles of the constitution. You have to consider that things like treason and high crimes and misdemeanors are all possible uh, you know, all the time and not just in some, some administration you know, centuries ago. So, uh, Plus, the war machine is probably one of the biggest pumping machines out there, funnels on the most money. But um, you can't mix conspiracy with just critical thinking. I mean, asking a question, you never should get shamed for asking a question. But you've mentioned this a couple of times, and I have to stop you on it. But it's the you said you weren't a reporter, even though you've talked to nine or ten different family members. And what I think you've done is pretty important because the emotional toll that comes with that is it's a lot for a lot of people. I mean, you're hearing, you're talking to family members and that's a little bit, you know, that weighs on you, the energy of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, when I'm, when I'm doing that, I mean, thinking like, okay, here I am talking with like Bob McElvain or, or Matt Campbell. And it's like, well, I mean, this, or even Chris Joya, who was a firefighter, uh, you know, Franklin Munson square fired Franklin square Munson department fire department out in Queens. And, you know, he, I mean, uh, talking to people who are really close to this, either who, who, who know firefighters, who colleagues who died or, or family members who died. And it's like, well, I'm having this conversation and this is probably maybe my only phone call I'll have with this person. And it's like, 
and like, okay, how, how is this phone call going? And is it going to be okay to ask this next question? And how are they doing? Because it's, it's, uh, it's very troubling and it, it stirs up all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's emotional for them. So it's, uh, you know, it's emotional for me. Well, I appreciate the work that you have done. And I appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show, Ray. Is there a place where people can find your book links and any other links, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that you'd like to promote? Oh, sure. If they, if they want to get an ebook, it's on Amazon. Uh, for unanswered questions, what the September 11th families asked the 9-11 Commission ignored. Paperback is also available at Amazon. If you want paperback or hardcover, you can also get it through through your local bookstore. And, um, and I'm on Twitter. It's Twitter, um, uh, Ray McGinnis, R-A-Y-M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S, digit seven. So seven. And I'll link those in the description, Ray. It's been a pleasure chatting with you again, man. Good seeing you. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.